talk about another guy, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, yeah. Because he's definitely a guy, uh, man, that's been polarizing, to say the least, uh, for Bulls fans uh, and us on, on this show. Uh, we, we're fans of Wendell Carter Jr. And we know the skill set that he brought or that he brings. But we, Chris and I, definitely wanted to see, we were under to see uh, Daniel Gaffer start for sure. We wanted to see this. And it was part of the reasoning we just had for Lowry marketing. It was, okay, if I take Wendell out and I put a center in there who's just, I know is gonna, gonna get rebounds and he's gonna get block shots and he's gonna set screens. Let me see what Lowry can do when there's not another guy who he can, like you said, just kind of relax and, you know, take plays off and let, you know, him score. Let's see if we put it on him. Let's see how he, you know, reacts. I thought it would be a better fit that he doesn't have to sit here and think that, oh man, Wendell has to get his shots. Oh, Wendell has to do this and, you know, do that. And I thought Wendell could dominate guys, you know, coming in off the bench because of the skill set that he has and the size that he has. His size still concerns me. But that complete uh, backfire because Daniel Gafford was an atrocity when he got out there and he started. And I'm just glad that we saw it because I'm like, cool, now I know it. <laughs> now I can leave this alone. Now we can move forward on it, man. But um, what do you see? Because I think you see something in Wendell that we're not seeing. And I want, I want to get your thoughts on that. What are you seeing in Wendell that just we might not be looking at here? Well, firstly, so let me say, uh, and every time I've penned a, a tweet that has mocked the start Gafford movement, <laughs> I always feel bad because I'm always f- thinking of you guys. And you're both. Oh, please don't. You're, like, you, you, you're, 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 you're good guys. You're good guys who maybe were wrong on this one thing. Mm-hmm. And I felt bad because I'm like, I always get, you know, random doofuses in my mentions who I don't care about or like they annoy me. And they're the ones that I'm targeting my message at. But then I'm like, oh. Dave and Chris, they're, they're part of the stock after movement too. It's not a movement. What, I hate it's not no, a movement, see, man. See, just like what you said, just like if Sally Ressie wants Sally Ressie to start because of fit, I just want to see how Gaffer looked because of fit. Yeah. I, you know, it, it turns out Gaffer one of the players you see you can see him too many times in two minutes. You start yeah. saying why you don't see him in spurts. But yeah. I just wanted yeah. to see it. That's all. I just wanted yeah. to see no, it. No, no, I, I get it. I get it. Like, I get it. That one like, championship this year. I just want to see him. Let's yeah. see it. Yeah. I, I get it, but I just wanted to make it clear. Like, whilst I'm out there saying mocking the start Gafford guys, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go with Joe Kelly here for being a doofus for wanting to see uh, uh, Daniel Gafford starting. And then I'm saying, like, ah, oh, but then, but I know, like, Chris, like, even John Sabine was on it. I'm like, oh, ah, yeah. I like those guys. <laughs> I don't want to mock keep, them, but anyway. Keep mocking. Keep, keep doing it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, anyways, I just wanted to say that I, I, I do have some sort of a conscience. And uh, I, even though I am petty, uh, I do recognize that. But um, coming back to the question on, on Wendell Carter, like I don't get why some some of this fan base, I won't say loathe because that's too strong, but like Wendell was bad, like really bad against the Suns yesterday. But before that, he was really good coming back from injury. And to me, even before his injury was showing signs of growth, he was having some really, really good games. I mean, I'm, the game that sticks in my mind is that game he had, he had against LA the first time around where he had 20-odd points, I think it was. Um, and just, you know, it was, it was extremely good on both sides of the ball. Got hurt, which is always unfortunate. Seems to be a thing with Wendell. Always gets hurt for a block of 10, 15, 20 games, maybe even more on occasions. So that's, that's part of it as to why the fan base is out on Wendell, the fact that he's seemingly each season picks up an injury, even though those injuries aren't, you know, ones that I'm overly concerned about. 
that, that it's a rolled ankle here. It's a broken thumb here. It's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's annoying, but it is what it is. That's part of it. But like he had a, like a good block of six games. The Bulls were five and one previous to that. They had their stinker against the Suns. The Suns are a legit, legitimately good team. And maybe some of the fan base hasn't realized that the, the Suns are actually really good. The Bulls are five and two over their last seven games. That's still good, guys. Like it's like, uh, can we? We're we're allowed to be. We're allowed to have one bad game. And to that point, like Wendell had a really bad game. But I guess the the things that I see, and maybe I'm just too emotive about this situation, so maybe I'm not looking properly. But it just feels like when Wendell is good, there's not a lot said about it. But when he is bad, I hear a lot about it. And maybe I hear a lot about it because I'm constantly trying to tell people that Wendell Carter can be really good. And I guess one of the reasons why I think he can be really good is he's one of the rare few bulls on this roster who I think can emerge as a two-way player. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's clear. And that's part of the reason why I loved Wendell when we drafted him because so many of the players that were on the roster, so many of the players that the Bulls have sort of locked into over the years had been one-way players. I mean, Zach was that. He's probably emerged more on defense. I would still say he's probably a one-way player. He's, he's growing on defense, but because he gives you so much on offense, I don't necessarily care about his defense, but like Lowry's a one-way guy. Kobe's a one-way guy. Denzel Valentine is a one-way guy. Bobby Portis before him. Like there's, there's been so many one-way players who like, if I could take the best parts of this guy and the best parts of this guy, I would have a good NBA player, but I can't somehow merge them into one. I can't merge two guys into one. So I was always frustrated with that. And Wendell was a sign to me that, you know, the Bulls are investing in two-way guys that can do things on both ends of the court. Maybe they're not going to be a star in anything, but as a just a general player, it's going to be, to be a good two-way player. And that's why the Al Horford comparison sort of made always made sense because I don't know if Al Horford is great at any one thing, but he's, he's very good at a lot of things, which that matters. And that's why I really like the Patrick Williams pick as well because Patrick, I don't know if he's ever going to be great at any one thing, but he's going to be very good at so many things and it's going to lead to winning. And I feel what, I feel that way about Wendell. Now, the problem with Wendell is Wendell doesn't realize how good he can be. Mm. And his own self is his biggest deterrent from being good. We saw that against the Suns where for whatever reason, he just gets in his own head where he thinks too much. He stops himself. And like even a Wendell stand like me can admit that. And that's what's holding Wendell back. It's not that he's too small. It's not that he's not skilled or this or that. I mean, when he came back from injury, we saw the mentality shift from Wendell. Like when he was coming out aggressive, he was impacting the game. He was was getting double-doubles in like 20, 25 minutes or near double-doubles. Despite like being, you know, coming back from an injury where he had no mobility for several weeks because he just couldn't run because Denzel decided to name in the quad or whatever happened. I mean... I don't know. I, I still believe in Wendell Carter, but for Wendell to reach the ceiling that I think he has, which is basically like a 16-point per-game scorer, a 10-rebound guy, someone who could maybe dish out three or four assists and give you good quality defense, again, similarly to like Al Horford has done throughout his career, I still believe in that guy. The thing that's going to stop Wendell is Wendell. Um, I can freely admit that. Uh, that's very clear in my mind. But at the same time, I guess the thing that I don't understand is why the fan base loathes him the way they do why people are quick to defend Kobe the fact that you know he's 21 and only played you know 80 or 100 games when the same is true of Wendell like Wendell is 21 has only played roughly you know 100 110 something like that NBA games like he's still 
he's still very raw. And a part of that is obviously because he's been injured, but he's still a super young guy learning a position that is very important. And specifically on this Bulls team that has so many bad defensive players. I mean, it's tough for Wendell to be good. So again, maybe I'm reacting to the people that I get in my mentions who tell me constantly, like this guy doesn't understand how to play pick and roll defense. This guy is terrible. He's bad. Maybe I'm amplifying their thoughts too much and maybe that's not the real reality, but I don't know, for whatever reason, just it doesn't feel like this fan base has really gravitated towards Wendell. Maybe that's part of his personality too. Like he doesn't go out there and score 30 like Kobe does. He doesn't do the cool things that Zach does. Um, so maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Like he just doesn't, yeah, he just doesn't gravitate to the fan base in, in the same ways. Like even Daniel Gafford does. Like I love Daniel Gafford for what he is because he just comes in and just tries to dunk the hell out of the ball, <laughs> tries to swat the hell out of the ball. Like he's, I think he has clear flaws that will, will ever, you know, keep him from being a starting NBA player. But like for what he is, like he brings value and I can understand why, like, you know, if you're watching him, why you, and you know, you're comparing him to Wendell, like it just seems like this guy loves basketball more or impacts basketball more because he's going in there and doing some big cool shit. Whereas Wendell maybe just doesn't do that. And I don't know. I'm not, it's, it's a combination of things. I've been trying to rack my brain, my brain around it because, like I said, I am a Wendell Carter stan. Um, I want to see him succeed. But I think the things that will stop him from succeeding will ultimately be him and whether he truly believes himself. And it believes in himself, rather. And he just clearly is a confidence guy. And um, I don't know if he's ever going to have full confidence in himself. But if he does, then um, I think he can be this version of Thad that we're seeing right now, I think Wendell Carter can be that. It's just whether he thinks he can be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and Wendell, like, I mean, he's the first Bulls jersey I bought in I don't know how long was, it's Wendell Carter Jr.'s jersey. So I like Wendell Carter Jr. I've been a fan of his. Um, I've always been under the impression that if you're going to be six nine and, cent- and play center, you have to be special. Like I've always felt that. And guys that I think of immediately like Ben Wallace and, even Bam Adebayo, like I, I considered like special at, at that position. And man, it's not because I like Wendell, but when I see him not being able to catch a basketball, that, that just drives me insane. And like you said, missing the cutter and getting in his own head. He, re- he really does do that um, from time to time. And you see that. But when you see him playing confidently, like you said, like his first quarter against Joel Embiid, on national TV. I mean, yes, <laughs> just the play where he got the rebound and completely bodied Joel and B. He was a 280 pound, seven foot tall guy and just bodied him and just went up strong and scored. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the guy I like. Like, I'd, I'd like to see more of this. And I just want to see more of, of that. So I think that's my thing with, with, with Wendell. And that's why I always felt like him coming off bench would be, easier for him to dominate because you keep mentioning like guys like that young you know come off the bench and I just see Coke I'm like man when I see Wendell I'm like man he would kill people there's nobody who can really rock with him who would be in that second unit but he's good he's a double double machine as you as Dove calls him Dove what's your nickname for him Mr. Solid as he calls him all the time because he's basically what sevens across the board he does everything right (laughs) you know he's getting 10 points you know he's getting 10 rebounds you know it's going to be a, a solid basketball game from Wendell Carter Jr. And one more thing before I give it to you, Chris. I don't, the only thing we don't like is, is being lumped in with the, with the Stark uh, Gafford fans that you're attacking because I'm like, no, their, <laughs> lo- their logic isn't sound. Like, I, I was like, no, our logic, I thought was sound as to why we wanted to see him. 
So I'm like, well, that's the only problem. We like, no, nah, don't love us here with those guys over there. You know, that's why I felt bad, Dave. That's why I felt bad. <laughs> no, that's the only thing. But you're please, please attack because it keeps me cracking up. I love it. It's awesome. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I, th- I think actually we all pretty much are in agreement in our assessment of Wendell Carter. Um, I think after two years, and and obviously, of course, you mentioned the amount of games he played. That's part of the reason you know you have to be available, and this is a bad trend for him not being being able to play. Um, 80 games or 75 games, or was it 45 games? Day, 50 games a year, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, also, after and this same thing, I, we saw, we see, we still see it in Lowry. It's the mentality of how you approach the game. There's no way in hell this guy should not be dropping 17 a game. Mm-hmm. This is nothing. Like, like he, they leave him open. He's six nine. Centers are going to leave him open for the 15 foot jump shot. He makes arithmetic into algebra and calculus or something. It's like it's not that hard, bro. The shooter fifteen per jump shot, you know what I'm saying? And like, and, and to your point, it's like how you go bodying the bee in the first quarter on national TV and then you just disappear. Where would you hit? Like, and what I would say about Larry Marcus is that Larry doesn't want to be the reason you won. He wants to be part of winning, but not the reason why you won. Mm. And I think mm. that's when it's Carter mentality. We listen to him talk. It's always like, well, I don't want to shoot the ball too much. I want to get people involved, meet the basketball player, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, you're starting. You have to be the reason why. You want, and the hardest to get basketball. And I always tell them, we always say the same thing: is scoring. Yeah, you get paid because that's the pay, pay, scores get paid a lot of money because that is the hardest thing to do in basketball. And this guy has an opportunity easily every night to drop fifteen to seventeen points. And that's what we had him at at the draft. He's like, oh, he's clear at some point, but he may get there, but it doesn't look like it. it looks like he's just like he's mission at Mark. He doesn't have that mentality to want to score 17 a game when it is there. Like, it's okay to have that burden on you. It's like he doesn't want it. He kind of wants it. If he go, if he scores 17, he wants to be, be like this 17 where he didn't be forced. He didn't feel like he it was a, it wants to feel unselfish kind of what. He doesn't want to be selfish with the ball off the, on the offensive end, it seems like. And that is weird to me, especially when you have a you're starting, you're 6'9", you're getting easy shots. Guys are going to give you easy shots. You should easily have 17 in the game. Well, it shouldn't Chris, be this I, hard. I will say I, I did see him do that when he came back off of his injury, though. Like he really started right. to become selfish and, and about but, to score and, and getting open and, and making himself available, you know what I mean, to score the ball. But 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 not throughout the game, right? And like I'm so I'm looking at stats now, the two assists a game. That's 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 um that good. Uh I don't, that, that, that 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 doesn't tell me that you're a great passer. I could tell he tries to think he's a good – no, no even man, the, what possession we saw in his last game, he had the ball, what, what, uh, 12 seconds, holding the ball, pumping the faking, there's two cutters, he's holding the ball. I'm like, bro, like, do something with the ball. I think I think he just, like you said, it's like, it's like he may be smart enough to make those plays, but he's not confident enough in himself to, like, uh, to uh, force his game, you know, within the offense. That's that's what it feels like, and it's like you do you have. It's, he's uncomfortable doing that to you know to sort of put his stamp on the game obviously throughout the whole game. Yeah. I, I don't want to see that for my starting center, especially with a guy like that. The skill set you see he has, but he has to you know apply it. And he's not he's not doing it. Yeah, I I completely get it, and I agree with a large part of that. I mean, there's been a lot of players in the NBA that have come through the NBA that just never amounted to much because they were their own worst enemy. I mean, they had all the talent in the world, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't put, to, put it together. And there's been so many players like Wendell who clearly are talented enough, but for whatever reason, just 
just don't put it together because they doubt themselves too much. And part of the reason why Wendell fumbles balls sometimes is because he's already thinking a play ahead. Like he, rather than just focusing on catching the ball and then moving, he's thinking, all right, I've got to catch the ball. My guy's coming this way. You know, I know someone's going to be over here. Someone's going to be over here. When I get the ball in the short roll, I need to make this read. He's thinking too far down down the road. And the reason why he's thinking too far down the road is because he's not confident in him just to, he doesn't have enough confidence in himself in just being able to instinctively make those plays. He's always, he's always just thinking, thinking too much. And you could, you can see it on the court. And he's a guy that thinks too much. He's a guy who doesn't have enough confidence in within himself. And when you put that combination together and that combination is maybe not on the right balance, like, like it was in the second half against the Sixers versus the first half of the Sixers. Like that is the best example. Like, Wendell wasn't thinking in that first half. He was just doing. He was instinctively playing basketball. He was getting to his spots. He was making reads. But then after getting bodied by uh, Joel and Beat a couple of times, particularly the start of that second half, then he goes insular. He starts thinking about the game too much. He starts thinking about, all right, I lost on that position. Um, I need to make it up on this possession. And rather than just playing basketball, he's just thinking too much. And does he have that ability to just, you know, block that nonsense out of the out, out of his head. Does he have the ability to block out a bad play and just continue playing basketball? I, I don't know if he does. So, like the thinking part of the game, he might be. I won't say he's too smart. He just thinks too much. But the thinking element of the game and the confidence element of the game, I I would love Wendell to have some of that that confidence that Kobe has or Zach has, mm. like that belief within himself, and even Lowry too. Like, yeah. if those guys had that ability to you know, just constantly come back on the next play, irrespective of what happened previously. If they just had the ability to just consistently come back and just ignore what happened, just play that one singular possession and just treat it like that. It's one possession and just think about it like that. Then maybe we'd be getting different results, but so much of this game and so much of sports in general is just about mentality and your makeup and your belief in yourself. And I don't know if, if Wendell believes in himself. Um, it's, it's been very clear and the things that he said, some of the things that he said about himself are somewhat concerning because uh, he just he just comes off as a guy that doesn't really believe in himself, which is annoying because, um, you know, fair enough if you had no talent and you had some justification not to believe in yourself, but you do have a lot of, you know, the fine motor skills that would make him a very good NBA player. But for whatever reason, he just doubts himself too much. And if there's anything that's going to stop Wendell from making it, I think it's going to be that less so than, you know, he's 6'9 instead of, 611 or you know he doesn't do this or doesn't do that or whatever it might be I, th- I think it's really the mentality aspect of the game that's holding him back right now and that's why he's inconsistent and that's another I think, reason I hate the yeah. last coaching regime is <laughs> because I think that kind of started with him because I remember Wendell guys like his rookie season when boys were losing like we would give him credit because he would be the guy speaking out about the Bulls and how better they need to be and we were like wow the rookie speaking out like we got somebody who's a rookie who's speaking out and then the second year came and then Boiler was like, yeah, put on all this weight. Uh, don't shoot jump shots anymore. And, you know, just be this guy in the post. And I mean, he just looked, he's looked confused and lost ever since that. He really has. See, Mark, I think you touched on something and Dave, you hit on something. Uh, Sean Rocky says something, you know, Sean Rocky says a lot of things, but when he <laughs> said something about scoring of being a player, uh, he said, you always go in to score. Okay, what you do? You're, you're trying to score. And to your point, Mark, he doesn't like like the reason why he looks so good in Philadelphia is because he was trying to score. And then when you try to score, then plays come from that. 
he's trying to do it backwards sometimes. Like you mentioned, like, no, 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 you get the ball, go to score, you know, and, and then make the play. Your, your first attention, especially if you could do it and you're six, not, you know, with this team is to score. Once you do that, then everything else follows. Then the pass is there. Don't look for the pass, you know, before you try, you know, this, the first thing you should always do is to score, to get the defense in, get the defense you know, to bite towards you. And then the way to play develops, and then it's there, make the play. And so that's the thing, right? So, he, so his confidence, I think he has confidence in his overall game. He needs to understand that his confidence has to be higher, supreme, and when it comes to, like, I need to score first. And then everything else will fall into place. It's okay for me to score first, to try to get a bucket first. If that's me shooting three shots in a row, fine. And then after that, all the passes and seeing, the, that, that will come into play when the defense focuses on you and you try to score in the shape offense. That's where all that comes from. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. I, I I don't know if I fully agree, but like I think we're sort of, I want to say we're 70 to 80% of the same way because whilst I don't necessarily think he needs to come in and say to himself, I'm going to score first, what I think he needs to do is just not think about the game. Like a scorer doesn't come into the game thinking, I need to I need to score, I need to score. They just know instinctively they, they're going to score. Like that's how they read the game. Like Zach comes into the game and just, he knows he can score. He's not thinking about scoring. He can just do it. Like he he can just do it and feel it like as part of his DNA almost. And I don't know if Wendell needs to think that way, but like he just needs to think that I can play basketball at this level and I can I can come in and do my thing. Like Daniel Gafford, for example, like is another if if Wendell had Gafford's mentality to just say, I'm gonna come in and impact the game, irrespective of how he's coming in to impact the game, like you can impact the game in a ton of different ways. But if you can just have enough confidence to come in and just do your thing and not necessarily care about what else is going on and not getting your head too much, then then, then that's fine. So I, I don't know if I agree with you that Wendell needs to come in and think score first. I think that will definitely open up elements of his game that aren't there at the moment. And I would definitely love to see him turn towards the basket a little bit more than he does at the moment. So he, he, he should be doing that. But yeah, I, I think he just needs to get comfortable and just just play, just play. Like, just don't think, Wendell. Like, just just play basketball. Make the right read, whatever that read is, whether that read is scoring, whether it's passing, whatever it might be, whether it's just setting the right screen, getting in the right positions. Just make the right play and stop thinking about, you know, ten plays ahead rather than just focusing on the on the one that's at uh, the one that's on hand at the moment. And I don't know that, that that's the way I read it. At least maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah. It just feels I'm, like he's getting in his own way at times. I'm, I'm, according to Dave, remove thinking. So that's that's. I think we're talking about the same thing. That's what I think when I. I just, if, he, if he thinks scoring, I'm not saying he's going to drop 25 a game. If he thinks scoring, I think it removes all the other thinking from him, and he's going to understand that. Oh, if I think that first, that I do that first, then other things kind of this unfolds naturally. You know, I, so that's that's what I'm kind of getting at. And I think we're kind of the same thing. You know, uh, same thought process with him, but. Yeah, clear the skill set there. I just think he needs to stop thinking too much. And I think if he kind of like goes in with the mentality of like trying to be a, trying to score first or attack his guy first versus trying to see anything that's around the floor, I think he understand that anything that's well around the floor. That's what I hope. Hmm. Yeah, I think where we where we agree is like he needs to be better at reading and reacting. Where it kind of feels like he's just trying to you know wedge something in there that's not necessarily happening. Like Thad, for example. <laughs> Like he's reading and reacting to the game. Yes. Zach is reading and reacting to the game better this season than he has before. Like we were talking about his ability now to, he's reading that the double is coming, 
So rather than forcing a shot up against that or, you know, turning it over or making a bad pass, Zach has been better at, you know, the simple dump off pass to Thad. Like he's reading that and reacting accordingly. Thad is a master of that this season. Whereas it kind of feels like Wendell is thinking too much and not reading the game correctly and is not, and then in turn not reacting correctly. Whereas if he was just instinctively doing that, that element properly, which to both of our points, like, if he's reading the game properly, a turning around face-up jumper may be the right read and that should be the the way he should be reacting. But he's not for whatever reason because he's too insular and he's thinking pass or he's thinking something wrong. Mm. Um, so maybe that's a better way to put it. Like we're, we're both, I guess, saying the same thing, but maybe different elements of the game. But if he's just reading the game the right the way it should be and reacting to that specific moment the way he should be, then I think he would be fine. But yeah, he just he's seemingly in his own head and maybe reading the play too fast or too too slow and I think that leads to inconsistent play or play where he gets down on himself too quickly and you couple all that with a, a guy that's quick to get down on himself um, it can lead to some bad basketball yeah and it's funny because what you're saying about him is kind of what I've said about Kobe like how he when he's thinking facilitating first he he's not good yep. but when he's thinking scoring first his facilitating comes from that like his, I don't know what, but his vision improves. Like things get easier for him when he's putting the ball in the bucket and he says, oh, so you want me to pass it like this? Oh, you want me to hit the guy on the back door instead of him thinking that from the beginning? So yeah, that's, that's, and both of these guys, man, are 22 years old, for goodness sakes. And like you said, they got time to develop, especially Wendell Carter, because he has a great skill set. I mean, we keep saying that, like him shooting threes is, is awesome for me. Cause I'm like, just take, one, I'd rather him say just take him one. If he takes two, okay. But I'm okay with him taking one. But he even had to get to that point where he was comfortable. Because I'm, I'm sure you guys remember when he would be wide over at three-point line early year. He was just like, mm, no. But you saw his whole game change. And this is why I want to give love to the uh, veterans. I, I remember seeing his whole game change when he pumped fake the three from the top of the key, passed it to Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple said, what are you doing? And threw it right back to him and said, you better shoot that. And he shot it and he hit it and stuff clicked for him immediately right there. So yeah, that veteran leadership and those things have, have been key and have been important. Um, and that leads me into my final question. Well, I was talking about Thad Young. Because uh, a lot of people definitely wanted to trade Thad Young. I, I'm okay with trading Thad Young if we're trying to get better. And a, I mean, a better piece, but... Like you said, he's the second best player on this team right now. After I saw that video with Zach Levine and he was the only Bulls player in it, I immediately said he's not going anywhere. There's no way they're trading this dude. It's impossible. Like that's that's the only Bulls player on your, you know, to think like, no, you're not going anywhere. Um, you've definitely been a big guy on Thad Young, man. Uh, so I know we talked about a lot about his game uh, in this podcast, but just kind of want you to expound like how he, came to be like this second best player, even coming off the bench, how he came to be a second best player on his team. What do you uh, credit that to? Well, I mean, a lot of it's got to go to, to, to Thad and, and to Billy Donovan. I mean, he's been put back into the paint. That's where he's played the majority of his career. That's where he feels comfortable. He, he He's good on the block. Like That's where he should be playing. The, the passing element, feels kind of like Joakim Noah of 2014 mm. where Joakim, we all, all of a sudden discovered out of necessity that this guy had more passing chops than maybe what we thought. Like we always thought of Joakim as a good solid passer, but all of a sudden because the team 
still didn't have Derek Rose, was sort of relying on DJ Augustine and Kirk Heinrich, who good point guards, okay point guards, but not necessarily great creators. You have to find other ways to, to funnel your offense. And similarly for the Bulls, because Kobe maybe hadn't come on as a playmaker and so much was sort of put on Zach Levine's shoulders, like you had to find offense through other means. And the Bulls have found that through their center. I mean, it's, it's not just that, it's Wendell Carter too. Like they, so much of this offense is generated by the high post and that short roll. Like, like we were talking about before, when you pick and roll, like you have Zach sort of running, initiating that pick and roll. The Bulls are often sort of finding that big man on that at the, at the block the dump off pass to the big man who then sort of turns faces and looks for his catch and shoot guys. Because what the Bulls do have is a lot of good players who can catch and shoot. I mean, Kobe at his best is a catch and shoot guy. Garrett Temple, Otto when Otto plays. Uh, uh, who am I missing? Sadoransky, Denzel Valentine, Lowry Markin. They have a lot of guys as spot-up shooters who can be successful in that role. And you want them spacing the floor around Zach. And because you have guys like Wendell and more so this season, Thad, who can sort of pass and spray the ball around. Like, they've become so important on the offense. So, I don't know, the, out of necessity, the Bulls have found out that Thad can do what Thad can do from a passing point of view, and he's just been fantastic at it. And if you take that away, like, that, he's such a large element of this Bulls offense, not to mention his defense, but from an offensive standpoint, like he's become such a huge element of this offense that, you remove that link in the chain. So many things are going to break down. And, you know, you can talk about it being a win now move in terms of keeping Thad Young, which it is. I think if you, if you keep Thad Young, you have more of a chance of making the postseason now than you do if, you, if you're removing. I think everyone agrees on that. But I continuously argue that you need Thad Young around for the development of this team. And the reason why I argue this is like, how much more difficult is Zach Levine's life going to be if you remove Thad Young? If you take away his best pick and roll partner, the guy when teams are sending two or three guys onto Zach Levine that Zach can easily throw the ball, dump it off to Thad on the high post and know that he's the release valve that is going to continue that offense flowing. You take that out, those traps happen so much more easily on Zach. He doesn't have a good option maybe to pass the ball to what happens then? It's going to be more turnovers for Zach. It's going to be more bad shots for Zach. It's going to be more shots coming in the last two seconds for Levine where his efficiency is going to fall down. That's not going to be good for someone like Zach. Less so for Zach though. Like Zach, Zach will do his thing because Zach is you know, a damn, un- damn all-star at this point. But for guys like Kobe, for guys like Lowry, even guys for Garrett Temple and you know some of these other guys who are so reliant on guys like Thad Young, you remove that piece from it, like the whole offense will crater. And one of the, the, the big talking points about this ball season is the fact that we've risen off the canvas where we were the 29th, 30th defense last year. We're up to 16 or 17th. We're, we're, we've been through the whole season, a respectable offense. A large part of that is now we have multiple avenues to score, whereas previously we didn't. And because we have so many guys on this roster who we talked about before are average players, role players, they are so dependent on the movement, ball movement, and you know the creation of others that if you take that away, then it really does like impact the development of guys like Patrick Williams, Kobe White, etc. Because those guys are better when they play with better players. So I, I just don't understand this thinking that you need to rebuild, you need to develop, and when you are in development phase of a franchise, you can't have any veterans. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like that's been part of the problem with this Bulls rebuild is they've had just a roster full of young guys and virtually no vets on it 
to the point where how are we expecting these guys to actually make strides and to understand how to play basketball if they've got no one on the court playing with them to make their life easier and to show them how to play basketball. Mm. That, so that, that element of this whole thing never made sense to me. So that's why I really liked the signings of Thad and Sato last season because at least it showed signs that guard packs at that point were realizing, okay, we just can't have a team of 12, 15 young guys and just assuming they're going to get it together because it'll just happen. Like that's not how it works. And I mean, one of the big failings of this Bulls rebuild was the fact that you've drafted two big, two bigs like Lowry and Wendell, who we talked about before are heavily reliant on others to create the basketball for them, to create their points for them. But then you've had guys like Chris Dunn, Jerry and Grant, Cameron Payne running the point guard position. And I know we like to focus on those guys being bad at that. And, you know, Cameron Payne sucked, Jerry and Grant sucked. But similarly to what I said about Kobe before, like, it's unfair that Gar packs through Jerry and Grant and Cameron Payne and Chris Dunn at point guard and just assume that these guys would understand how to play the most difficult position in the in the NBA just because they would. Like, and it just doesn't happen just by getting reps. You need to be shown how to do that. And when you're not necessarily getting that support on the court, most certainly not getting that support off the court with someone like Jim Boylan, it's it's just a bad combination. So. That has just been super important to the the results this season and the fact that we're even talking about potential playoff basketball. Like that is a large chunk of that reason, along with Zach Levine. But I would argue that someone like Thad, to a lesser extent, Garrett Temple, or like Dave, like the example you mentioned before, where you had Temple being in the court on the coach, telling Wendell, you got to shoot that basketball and him getting that ball back to Wendell to shoot the basketball. If you don't have Garrett Temple there and you have some other random, I don't know, whoever it is, some random 20th pick on... Like if you have Chandler Hutchinson in that place, Chandler Hutchinson isn't throwing the ball back to Wendell Carter and telling Wendell Carter, you've got to take that shot. Chandler Hutchinson is probably catching that ball. The offense is stalling. Maybe he tries to uh, drive and maybe it doesn't go anywhere. And that isn't to, to pick on Chandler Hutchinson because he's a young guy that needs to be shown how to play basketball too. But you need someone on the court who can be an extension of the coach to tell these guys what to do, to set these guys up in, and to put them in positions to succeed. And if we want to talk about development, like getting guys actual minutes in credible basketball games where there's actually winning going on, that's where development happens. Mm-hmm. Having a group of 12 guys on the roster who are playing uh, bad basketball for 82 games in a season or 72 games in this season and playing terrible teams you know, not playing competitive basketball or constantly out of games while the time the second half rolls around. There's no teaching points to be had. There's no really? learning moments to be had in games. Whereas now when you've got maybe some vets here and there that are actually putting you in games where you can actually play meaningful basketball, like yesterday against the Suns, like that was a good teaching moment. Like the Bulls can go into that game and say, all right, why did we blow that lead? We had an 18-point lead. We had a good lead for three quarters, but we blew it in the fourth quarter. What did we do? Like, that is a good teaching moment. Having someone like Thad and Garrett Temple around to help lead those guys through that is important. Whereas if you don't have Thad there, you don't have Garrett Temple and you replace them with some some young prospect who you hope maybe can amount to being a role player someday, like that, the Bulls aren't even in position to be up by 18 in that game. They're, they're getting smoked by the Suns at that point. And, you know, everyone's losing at that point. So, yeah, I don't I don't get it. I'm, I'm very keen on keeping Thad for a number of reasons. Um, one of those reasons being that I think you need to start winning to, to, to entice Zach Levine to stay. That, that is an undersold element of this whole thing. But, um, 
yeah, it's, I just think that is so important for so many different reasons on this team. And uh, I would be very reluctant to trade him unless you, you receive a extremely good offer. And a, a pick in the 20 to 30 range is not a good offer for someone like Dad Young, who to me has more value on court and off court to the Bulls than a pick in the 20-odd the range will have. And the last time the Bulls made a trade like that, they, uh, they traded Miritich. They got in Chandler Hutchinson. We know what happened with that pick. Hutchinson hasn't amounted to much. Why Why am I trading Thad, Thad Young for a guy that is probably more likely to be Chandler Hutchinson than to be Jimmy Butler? Okay, yeah, that, that, that's something, because your, your argument there, I hear it a lot. It's like, can't trade this player, can't trade that player. And I'm like, well, the, the idea is to get better. But yes, you're 100% correctly. Correct, right? If you trade uh, Thad Young for somebody who's okay, then what's the point? But but this is two sides, right? You trade to get better. I don't care, you know, if the, if the guy who's running pick and roll now <laughs> with Levine is better than Thad Young, you're a better team. So I don't want to, I, I just don't like the assumption. Uh, you know, people, it seems like people always assume, and I do it sometimes too, that if you trade a player, you get worse. I'm like, well, the whole point is to get better. So, those, it's who to say to your point is right. If you go trade that young, make sure you bring in somebody as good or better. And then you know, so like that's why I have a problem with trade that young, and I have a problem with him not being on the team as long as you somebody that can return that's of that's a better value to the team as a whole. So, uh, and I hear you know I hear a lot out there. I don't know how you, how you feel about it, but like when I hear former players on TV analysts, all of them always say. You got to have a bet on the team. You got to have a bet on the team. I guess it's true. I'm trying to go through my head like these teams that win, they're okay. Do they have veterans on the team? Yeah. But I would have a better player <laughs> than the vet. So if somebody's better than that young, he's welcome on the team anytime for me. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I definitely get right. that. And, and I agree with that. But I guess my, what I'm trying to angle here is, what you're probably going to get for Thad Young in trade, I have, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of hope that that piece is going to be better than Thad Young. Certainly not in the short term, mm-hmm. and that concerns me in the short term because of Zach's Zach situation. I mean, we we have the ability where the Bulls can sort of go into this offseason and try to reach a max extension with Zach. But if I'm Zach, I'm not doing that. I'm holding out until I'm a free agent the, the season after. And like I said, like if if the Bulls trade Thad. This is seven years for Zach losing. We're going to next season with a guy who, a draft pick who we got for Thad Young. Maybe you've traded Sadoransky. Maybe you've traded Thad. Uh, maybe you haven't brought back Garrett Temple when you, you're going young again. This is year eight of Zach's career. It's another young team that he's on, another losing team it's on. Like from a short term perspective, I don't know if what you're going to get back from Thad is going to make the Bulls better. Maybe long-term that the guy that you draft with the 22nd pick or whatever it is that you get from for Thad, maybe that guy does become better than Thad. But at that point, maybe Zach is 30, 31. And, you know, what does that mean? So I guess why I'm reluctant to trade that is because I, th- I think what you're going to get from him or what offers you going to, to get for him are probably like late first. Like yeah. contending teams will want Thad Young, not teams that have you know the number eight pick or the number 12 pick like if i could get the eighth pick in this draft for thad young then i'm probably thinking a lot differently about it but i can't imagine a team like the houston rockets who maybe have the eighth pick in this draft or whoever it may be currently i can't imagine them putting that that pick on the table for thad young it's going to be teams like i don't know whoever the team is the denver nuggets the spurs the celtics teams that 
who are trading for Thad Young are trading for him to maybe push them up or to add a piece to their their rotation where that pick probably becomes the 20th pick in the, in the yeah, NBA draft. This is, this is where you you know, you hope, oh, they maybe they trade picks, collect picks, collect assets to make a bigger trade. You don't know that, right? Yeah. You, know that. you, you just hope this, that's when you're like, you're stuck. Like, okay, you made this trade. If that's not there, you get this, these, these two like low first, low first round picks. What are you going to do if I'm already involved in another trade? You know, and that's when like, the honeymoon period for the front office is over, right? Because now they have to make decisions, right? Like, yeah. like that terms, like they'll be now, everything now, but like, like that's how it's going to come this year. When you have assets, you have to make decisions, and that's when you get judged, right? When decisions made and we'll have those decisions impact, the decisions impact, you know, uh, the future of the, of, the, of, the, of the Bulls going forward. So, yeah, like you say, Trey, you got to wait a couple of years to see or wait or wait, to, wait for the year to see if, if, they, if they do trade that or something, what they do with that, with those assets, when they get when they trade that. And that's when you start to really start to, like, start picking apart front office and nothing new appears over with. And as a fan, you kind of like go on edge. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And to your point, I think you raise a good point. Like, if you do trade Thad for a, a future first round pick, maybe you don't keep that pick. Maybe you use that pick and couple it up with other assets into a future trade that a bigger trade. So maybe, maybe in that scenario, it does make sense, but I don't know. Like th- that is a good, that is a good retort. And and it's one that I've been thinking about, like that does make sense. But at the same time, like the bulls hold all their picks. Mm-hmm. They've got, you know, they can trade their own three future picks, future first round picks. They've got all their pick swaps that they can offer. They could, they could throw a godfather offer out there if they wanted to so they don't necessarily need additional assets but I, I take your point like you don't necessarily have to take that pick that you get with that and develop that guy you can use that first round pick as an as, as an additional asset to make a big move um but yeah maybe 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 i would feel differently about it if that wasn't so critical to this team right now yeah. and his relationship with zach i think maybe if him and zach didn't get along or just didn't have this relationship that they seemingly do as as dave mentioned before like Maybe I'd feel different differently about it, um, but just just it being what it is right now, I think the Bulls need to go. They need to start thinking about, like we said before, being a big market team. And to me, a big market team isn't trading good players at the first sign of success for late first round picks to to attack the draft again. <laughs> like that's a very small market thinking. Yeah. Um, like that's what I would imagine OKC are going to try to do with George Hill and Al Horford. I don't want the Chicago Bulls being the OKC Thunder. I want them trying to accumulate talent, trying to uh, trying to build around Zach Levine in the way that they didn't build around Jimmy Butler. Um, and we've seen what um, trading good players for draft picks has amounted to in the past. Now, that isn't to say that would naturally happen going forward, but um, I've, I'm done playing the drafting game just now. I want to see this team start um, actually building towards something and, let's actually maximize the next few years of Zach Levine's prime because uh, before you know it, he's going to be owed a, a max contract and he'll be 27, 28 at that point. And look, time goes fast, guys. I mean, uh, I can't believe I've been following this team so religiously for almost 20 years, but uh, it doesn't feel that long. But uh, I've seen a lot of balls come and go and we've finally got a player like Zach who we can start, start to build around. And um, I part of the reason why I hated the Jimmy Butler trade is because I felt like we had that player and we just got rid of him. We're lucky that Zach has amounted to what he has. I didn't expect that, but we're, we are lucky that he has and has salvaged that Butler trade to a degree. So let's not make the same mistakes. Let's keep building around Zach. Let's add some winning players around Zach and 
let's start acting like a big market. Let's trade for players. Let's start building a good team. So that's what I want to see happen. And that's, you know, again, maybe I'm being too emotive about it. Maybe I'm not thinking objectively about it, but um, yeah, that's where I'm, that's where my head is at at this point. I like where your head is at, man. <laughs> I really do. Uh, before we get out of here, man, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. What is going on with you and Joe Cowley, man? What is really <laughs> happening? What is going on with this? How did this begin? I don't even know how it started. I don't even know how it kicked off, but you guys have just been going at it on Twitter, bro. Well, yeah. I mean, wh- how do I answer this question? <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, I-, I think Joe Cowley doesn't respect what I am, let's say, and not mm. just what I am, but what a lot of people are. And that is a blogger, an opinionated Bulls fan who doesn't necessarily have media credentials, who isn't in the scrum asking the tough questions, therefore, for whatever reason, is invalidated or shouldn't be considered. Um, so I think Cowley more generally has a problem with the changing and evolving media landscape, which um, is part of the issue. And I take exception to that. I also take exception to the way that he's treated certain people who I consider friends. Um, and he's just more generally been a douchebag to, to, to good people who, who are just trying to make it like he has, I guess. So that's part of it. Um, but, you know, taking away the, the personal elements of it, like I just think he doesn't understand basketball and I think he's dumb and bad. I mean, we're talking about a guy that wants to trade Zach Levine for Victor Oladipo um, and a first round draft pick. Like what are you, what basketball are you watching? What <laughs> basketball are you watching that you don't think Zach Levine is worth more than $25 million? I mean, what the hell are you watching? So from that standpoint, like I don't get it. I think he's, um, I think he's not good at, uh, understanding or realizing what what basketball is um so from a coverage point of view i think bulls fans deserve a ton more uh so i've got a lot of issues with joe Cowley, and i i don't like the fact that um that the way he sort of covers this team i think we deserve more um so there's that element to it beyond um uh, in addition to maybe some of the other things that uh, that i that i'm aware of that i think are pretty lousy so yeah i i just think he's he's bad and and crap and um like you said from the top of the top of the show dave i am petty i probably shouldn't be i can't help myself i should be the bigger person and just ignore it but um i like to point out how silly certain things are um i can't help myself so in that sense uh you know arguing with clowns isn't a good thing but um it makes you look dumb but uh i can't help myself sometimes <laughs> oh, i can't yeah. help myself me and dave the opposite i'm like just don't listen just, just don't listen to him you know <laughs> I, I have a lot of good people. I have a lot of good people in my life telling me the same thing, Chris. Like, why are you constantly bringing up this guy? Why are you even giving him attention? I'm like, I, I don't know. I can't help it. I can't help it. Okay. It's, uh, that's you. That's, that's, that's who you are. Got to be you. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't like. I don't like seeing my guy or my team being, uh, you know, shut on unfairly. Uh, you know, if you're gonna be a detractor, if you don't believe in certain things and you come to the argument in good faith and actually put forth good arguments, then that's fine. But if you start saying like Zach Levine's not worth $25 million when there's literally a million examples across the league of players who are comparable to Zach Levine who are earning max dollars, who deserve to, to who deserve that love and deserve it because of the, you know, the constant improvement that he has shown then like that's bad faith arguments that I just have no time for and I'm going to make fun of you for it. So, um, yeah, I'm petty. I'm a douchebag. I probably should avoid it, but um, I can't help myself. 
Oh, we gonna we gonna uh, you Chris will know this about me. I'm all about love and peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try to bring yeah. this together. I'm, I'm trying, some way in my head, I'm like, okay, how can I get this right? And it has nothing to do with me. And I'm over here like, I can make this right. <laughs> I know I can. I can do this. But, but yeah, man. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, it, you provided me with endless entertainment with your arguments with Joe, with your arguments with Fred. And yeah, man, I don't want you to quit being, you know, who you are. Because you, honestly, you're awesome. And you're really intelligent. <laughs> And I learn a lot. You um, even when I speak to you, and even when I just read your tweets and things, I, I learn a lot. Like you can see your intelligence. Like it's 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 hard to hide, and you can just see it, man. And so yeah, I I appreciate you. I really do. I appreciate what you do. So thank you. No, that's that's very kind of you to say. Um, and like you said from the top, I'm very opinionated. Um, mm. I like to share my thoughts. I I try to. I try to do it as fact-based as I can and in good faith as I can. Um, I'm not here to to hate the Bulls. I, I pour so much time into this team because I absolutely adore and love the Bulls. Um, maybe some people don't see that or think that, but that is definitely the case. Um, I love this team. I want good things for this team. I want good things for us fans that have just poured years and years. Like we have had, we've watched some bad basketball, guys. Yeah, we have watched yeah. some terrible basketball. Yeah. I want some good things for us. Yeah. So uh, that's that's, yeah, I and I, I feel like that's happening. So I want I want to see it to continue. But uh, yeah, I feel you, but, you don't want another you don't want another seventh pick in the draft, right? You tell those. Yeah, yeah look. <laughs> If, if we're going to be bad, like, give me the number one pick. I, I can't do any more number seven picks. I ain't doing no more number seven picks. Come on. Give me Cade Cunningham or Evan Moverly or give me nothing. Uh, that, that's where I'm at at this point. Show title. Uh, yeah. So oh, that, that's where I'm at. But uh, look, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and maybe to re- return some um, some kind words. I mean, before I got into the podcasting game and when I started listening to podcasts and listening to Bulls podcasts, there was probably three that I was initially listening to. Um, so one was the Bulls beat. One was maybe hate listening the Chicago Bullseye <laughs> with old Frederick there. And, and one of the other podcasts that I naturally gravitated to and it was because like you guys were amongst the first to break out in the Bulls podcast fear was this one here. So to be part of it and to be speaking to you guys today, like it, it's really cool. So um, thank you for thinking of me to, to come on the show. Um, it was really fun talking bulls. Um, hopefully we can do it again on this show, but most certainly on my t- on my podcast as well. I'm always bad at organizing guests, but um, I'm not very organized in that sense, but I'd love to have you guys on my show. But um, yeah, just just to give you guys some due love, like um, yeah, you, you guys are some of the OG bulls podcasters in that sense. So you deserve a lot of credit for that. For, uh, for setting the table for guys like me to to get on on my mic or to get on Twitter and spout the opinions that I do. So you guys have paved the way, let's say, that way in, in that sense in a lot of ways that Frederick has done, that Doug has done. So you guys are right there with those guys in my mind. Oh, man. Wow. I tell you, with that, you just made me feel so much better today, man. I, yep. I don't know if you were sincere in that, but it sounded awesome. I am sincere in that. I'm I'm like, Because like, I listen, it's funny. I listen to a lot of pod, I have a podcasts here. I hear uh, some of those loud top tip podcasts, whatever, and guests come on and they say that to the other host, and you just said it to me. Like, what? Are you, t- you can't be serious. Mike, really, Mark? No, I, I'm being sincere. I'm being legit. I mean, okay, like, I appreciate that. I really There's 19,005 basket, Bulls basketball podcasts at the moment. I mean, being a Bulls podcaster is tough right now because there's, there's a squillion podcast out there. So there's a lot of competition. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I don't have and what a lot of the, a lot, what a lot of those podcasts don't have is the uh, 
let's say the legacy of it and, and being one of the first. So uh, no, I'm being sincere and I very much mean it. So uh, keep very doing what man. you're doing. And um, it. it was really fun appreciate being on, on your show. Thank you, Mark, man. And I'm glad you said it because Chris needs to hear stuff like that. He, he doesn't care if I say it. He got to hear it from other people, man. It's important. Yeah. It's important. See, Chris, Chris is like Wendell. He needs to be built up. Yes. You know, he needs yes. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to lie. You're right. You're right. It's true. Right. It's true, right. man. You can follow You can follow our guy, Mark K, at MK Hoops on Twitter. And like we said, you can check out his podcast and his writings on Bulls HQ Pod and follow that pod at Bulls HQ Pod. And you can listen to that anywhere. And you also have the website, thebullshq.com, correct? Yeah, I, I used to blog more than I do. I've become a little bit lazy in that sense, but uh, occasionally I'll get passionate about certain things and uh, we'll we'll throw a blog post up on there. I think, I think I've think i done three blogs in the last 12 months. One of them was about trading for Chris Paul. One of them was about <laughs> Wendell Carter. And then the most recent one is, is about giving Zach Levine a max contract in, in, in part, which I uh, shot on Joe Kelly in that piece. So uh, yeah, I don't blog much more, but when I, when I, when I do, I, I get emotive about it, let's say. Mm, that's the word. <laughs> man, thank you for coming on here, Mark. We'll, we'll definitely have you back on, man. This was for fun. Sure. Um, you can check out our podcast in, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you got podcasts on your microwave, I promise you we're on it. Um, <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Ball Sports, B-A-W-L Sports, and at Ball Sports 1. And we are on Instagram also at Ball Sports, Chris. Yeah, man, Dave said it all. Um, also, ballsports.com, B-A-W-L-sports.com. And uh, also, man, it's a shout-out in general to our listeners. You know, Kevin, we have great listeners uh, who donate a buck or two here and there, and it's helped us out tremendously. So uh, our listeners have been with us since 2006, seven. I don't know how long we've been, like Mark said. <laughs> he just, you know, just continues, you know, continuously to support us uh, financially and also just, you know, spreading the word. We appreciate you guys. A lot and it's been a while man so also we got a youtube channel um that's hashtag ball on youtube hashtag bwl on youtube we will come up you own that little hashtag and you can check us out there as well with the, the outcast that they belong to yes. with john matt yeah uh after every game man matt i'm i don't call you, call you matt Mark, I don't know why. Because they both feel the same way about. Fred. I know, right? I want to. <laughs> That's right. I think it's a two K. I keep saying two teams or something like that. Yeah, but Mark, yeah, man, thanks a lot, man. It's, uh, it was great talking to you. Yeah. No, thank, thanks again, guys. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Thank y'all for listening. We'll catch y'all next time, man. We out. Be blessed. Be loved. We on. Bow. Peace. <laughs>